1: It's played.
2: Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time.
1: Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last
2: forever. The Stanley Cup final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins
0: Saturday. This episode of The Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Go Wild. Go Wild is a social media platform designed for and by outdoorsmen. Go Wild is a place to connect with other outdoorsmen, find fishing and hunting tips and tactics, and you can even research and buy your gear. Join hundreds of thousands of other hunters, fishermen, and outdoorsmen and experience what this community is all about. Download it today at DownloadGoWild.com. Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast. This podcast series was designed to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters. We cover a variety of topics that will help you become more confident and comfortable in the field. While Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 13 and on this episode we're going to be talking about processing the deer that you've just shot. You've got it out of the woods um, and you got it maybe back at your house or maybe you're going to take it to a professional to get it done but that's the information that we're going to cover in in this episode. This is where it It can be as complicated or as easy as you want to make it. I am, I've, I've processed deer before in the past. I've cut the meat off the bones. I've wrapped it up. I've put it in my freezer. These days, I like to take the easy way out and I just uh, take it right to a processor and have a professional cut it up for me. I tell them what I want and they do it and it's simple and I come back and pick it up. But, I would recommend, and maybe uh, Hank here, you can talk on this. Uh, do you think it's for for a new hunter who might look at this as uh, another daunting task in this entire process? Maybe walk somebody off the ledge a little bit and and let them know that maybe processing your own deer isn't as complicated as as it may sound.
2: It's it's not as complicated as it might sound it but it does take some time uh some investment and some basic uh items you know knives and, and stuff like that can go a long way um but i will admit you know i i harvested my first year when i was 17 i guess i didn't process my own deer at home for the first time until i was probably 30 i mean for many years and i, and I wasn't a prolific hunter i mean I, I harvested a few deer and went to college and i I might have gotten one deer during college, but um, you know it's not. This is not a task that I took on immediately, but it is doable. Um, it's rewarding. Um, it, it's really cool to see it from the field to the freezer and and even to the fork. But um, but you know there there are professional options, and um, you know you probably want to have that thought about before you go hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, go ahead and look around, ask local people for advice on. You know, are there local processors? You can usually find them on Google, um, but you know, don't overlook that opportunity. If this is something that is daunting to you, um, you know, feel free to take it to the processor.
0: Yeah, and I think one thing you mentioned there was there's there's some preparation that needs to go into this uh, because there's going to be a whole bunch of meat that you have that all of a sudden you need to put somewhere you need to keep it cool you need to put it in a freezer to freeze it uh, and and thaw it out at a later date and sometimes your little refrigerator in your home may not be the uh, you may not have room for all of that meat so Hank what like what would you recommend as far as additional preparation uh space any anything like that
2: yeah so I mean if you harvest you know the average adult deer you know you're looking at getting 40 to 50 pounds of venison uh back from the processor or after you process it at home so you need to be prepared for that um you know for many years i didn't own a second freezer and you know i would have to make room and, and 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 really fill the the regular freezer above my refrigerator but um I have invested. I bought a used chest freezer. Um, I tell you the truth, I paid $20 for it, and it's been running for the last five or six years. It, you know, But you can go buy a new chest freezer for maybe less than $200 on a good day at Walmart or, or any of the, the stores. So, um, yeah, be prepared for this. That, I mean, I guess that's the biggest takeaway. Whether you're going to take it to a processor or you're going to do it at home, you need to have thought about how you're going to do this and and you have time, whether it's hanging in the tree or, or in the, in the cooler. Um, you got some time to get ready, but, um, you're going to need a big table. You're going to need some space Yeah. and a couple cutting boards, a couple knives will go a long way. And again, there are some great resources and videos online, um, yeah. to cover this. So, you know, you can learn a lot.
0: Yeah. Matt, you process your own, mm-hmm. right? You're the opposite of me. You do all the work, right? Talk to us about what someone can expect on, on this first time that if they make the decision to process this deer
1: themselves. Sure, um, there is time invested. I, uh, Hank just said something that that I, I share a similar beginning where I grew up in a traditional kind of introduction to, to hunting where we didn't process we uh, ourselves. We would bring it to somebody. Um, there are lots of options. The guy we brought it to when I was young. Uh, if my dad or I got a deer was somebody that worked at the local grocery store and he took his vacation time and there are a lot, a lot of dop- options. And once they started getting into it, it's really become part of the, my tradition. Um, when I was single, I would do it myself. And now at the point of having a family, it's a, it's a family tradition where we, we make a day during the weekend, during deer season where I'm not hunting and we're processing and getting that deer into the freezer. Um, it does take time. Um, I think, from start to finish, if the deer is hanging with hide on to the point where everything's in packaged, uh, I know some folks that, you know, say you need to budget yourself two to three hours. We have found basically from the deer hanging, and this is again, including kids, uh, and my mother-in-law and my wife all working kind of as a, in a chain that it takes us five to six hours. Um, and we are really particular about what the meat looks like. You know, we're making sure there's no hair on it. There's no sinew, which is kind of like a connective tissue. It is clean and ready to go so that when it's defrosted, we're not doing any preparation. You can, right. you can put meat in the freezer that actually is not as clean looking and save some time. But it's, it's about five to six hours from when the deer is hanging with the hide on, hides off. We've quartered the deer. We have the space where we've actually boned it. Uh, we've separated different cuts and muscles. Uh, we have packaged, vacuum sealed, labeled. Things are in the freezer. That That is only probably three to four hours. And then the cleanup process of basically washing all the stuff that we've used, washing down the table um, to the point where our house is back to the way it, it looked. All that said is probably five to six hours. Right. So it takes some time.
0: And it takes space, mm-hmm. right? Uh, a lot of, uh, like, a garage or a big kitchen or, you know, enough space to put a, a a whole deer carcass on a table or something and take away, like, take the meat off of it. With, with that said, there might, if, if you live in an apartment— or you live in a small dwelling and you you don't have the necessary space to hang the deer, keep it cool uh, before you process it yourself. Um, A processor professional might be the best option -hmm. option for you. With that said, learning to do that is very rewarding. Like what Hank said. Mm -hmm. So um, as we, if if we've made the decision to do this ourselves, um, how, where, what are some good resources, Hank, that you've shared with people on how to do it, where to do it? Any tips or tricks like that?
2: We've got a, a few great videos on our YouTube channel under a "Deer Hunting 101" tab, but um, we have we can show you, you know, how to skin, quarter, and then even break down the rear hams, the front shoulders. Um, I often don't break down my front shoulders when I'm doing it myself. It's a great piece to leave the bone in and cook as is. But, um, we have some great videos, even, even sausage making videos. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I love to make venison sausage and, and that's the thing that's hugely rewarding, but does take a lot of time as well. Um, but we've got some great resources. I mean, meat eater has some great resources. Um, you know, getting a butcher chart, you know, if you're really going to break down these quarters, watch those videos we have, um, you know, that's, that's one of the harder tasks to me is, is doing a really good job of of breaking down these, you know, quarters of a deer. So the rear leg into all those little cuts that you would put in your freezer. And just an aside, um, one time I will tell a war story here, but, um, one of the best things that the processor may do for you is go ahead and freeze you know they they process package and freeze your meat to where when you go pick it up it'll be pre-frozen right and one time you know in a hurry um i put a bunch of meat that was not frozen in my freezer and defroze the freezer so um there are some some benefits to the processor
0: so if someone does make the, the decision to move forward and uh, uh, process this deer themselves, what do they need to wrap the meat, to put it in their freezer? Uh, I'm, I'm speaking specifically about like, like, uh, some, like saran wrap and things like that.
1: Sure. Um, the basic tools that we need, and I, I don't bring the entire deer in. We bring it in by quarter, is you need a cutting board or two. Um, you need a, a, a sharp knife or a set of sharp knives. Um, you need a um, something to be able to wrap the, the deer up in. We What we use is butcher paper and then put it in um, vacuum bags, and I have a vacuum sealer. But there were early in the processing days for me. I use Ziploc bags, freezer-grade Ziploc bags, because they worked as well, just trying to get as much air out as possible. So you don't have to invest in a vacuum sealer, but they're nice to have. Um, and then you need a couple tubs uh, or, or buckets or bowls. And normally what we do is we have the, the quarter, we bring it in. Um, it can be uh, very simple. The entire process, all you're really trying to do is rem- in our house, we're trying to go boneless, so we take all the meat off the bone and try to remove anything that doesn't look like meat, generally just trying to separate the different muscle groups. and you can see it. There's very definitive lines, and doing it that way makes it um, makes it easy. Uh, so we'll put the entire quarter on the table tried to remove the meat from the bone or remove the meat from the bone, removing stuff that doesn't look like meat, the connective tissue, the fat, there are lymph nodes, there are other things that you clearly can tell do not look like red meat and have a bucket for waste or things I'm going to throw out, bones and things that aren't meat. And then uh, one that I ha- I am putting meat, the meat in, and uh, we have uh, kind of a line uh, arranged where my wife is then vacuum sealing and one of my kids labels.
0: Okay. Okay. Um- talk to us, Matt, a little bit about meat safety is like, do, are we washing this meat off? What do we do to actually prepare it for the freezer?
1: That, that begins with when you're removing, if you're the one that's removing the hide, um, there's a way to be able to remove the hide to try to minimize the amount of hair that you get on the meat when you bring in the quarters, which have no don't have skin on it. If you do a good job with that, there will be very little hair, and you don't have to wash wash it off unless there's um, blood or or any from the shot. If there's things you need to throw away, there might be. Sometimes you might need to take a little wet pa- paper towel or wash it, but generally, I try not to wash the meat mm-hmm. to get it too wet. Um, so th- it's as easy as that. Okay,
0: now. We think of meat and, uh, as all the stuff that is on the bones. Um, there are some parts of the deer that other people like to keep. Do you guys keep any heart or liver or, uh, even, even crazy cuts like intestines or anything like that?
2: Um, the answer is sometimes for me, I'm not the biggest fan. Um, but I'll take a, a heart or a liver. I've, I've, taking kidneys with filled the fork hunters that wanted to eat the kidneys. And, you know, if you watch meat eater, they like to eat the tongues and testicles and all kinds of different things. (laughs) So, um, I haven't tried that yet. Um, but no, there are other edible parts of the deer that you might want to keep in mind.
0: Yeah. I'm definitely a guy who keeps the heart now. Um, I found some good recipes on, on how to cook the heart. So aside from the normal cuts of meat, you know, the, on the quarters, um, I only keep the heart and then the rest stays in the gut pile.
2: You know, I'll just say, you know, good knowledge to the beginner deer cook, uh, deer fat is not something that you want to leave on the meat. Um, the fat is not a tasty type of fat. Like if you think of beef fat or bear fat, um, a lot of that gamey flavor, um, that people might associate with deer is probably due to poor processing and you know, poor um, preparation and care for the meat. Yeah. But venison is delicious and should be delicious. Um, so you know, just an aside, like you do not want the the white fat of a deer on your on your venison. Yeah.
0: And Matt mentioned that earlier, where you're cutting all that all that stuff off before you're looking for the deep red, beautiful meat that comes off of that with all that connective tissue off. It's so.
1: very lean. It should look like a, like you said, that deep red color with almost no marbling. A lot, they deposit fat around their organs. And they, they deposit in uh, other locations on the body, around the outside of the the actual uh, deer's body. But there's not a lot of intermingling or, or uh, marbling of fat with it. So you should end up with very clean, uh, for the most part, red meat there are some places that you can't get all of the connective tissue off Um, those are tend to be the cuts that you're going to cook slower with low temperature Um, there are other places where you get something that looks nothing but like this beautiful cut that is pure red meat
0: yeah all right matt you've mentioned in, in previous episodes here about certain deer diseases are there any type of diseases? or uh, parasites that could potentially be living in a deer that would make the meat unedible.
1: Very few things you should worry about. Um, if, if you shoot a deer that looks like it's been um, injured um, in some way, shape, or form before you shot it and has what looks like infection, um, we all know what kind of infection looks like. You get that kind of white Pussy material. Yep. If the deer has any infection in the bloodstream, it's recommended not not to eat it. Yeah. Um, in places we mentioned in an earlier episode, chronic wasting disease um, is a disease that deer have. Um, if it's from a location that that has been identified, you're going to be required to get it tested, and you may have to wait a couple days to get results back from the state. And if the agency tells you that that deer has Chronic wasting disease, it's recommended you don't eat it. Um, that's a pretty rare occurrence. It's in just certain parts of the country, um, but those are pretty much the only times that you'd have to worry about uh, diseases. Uh, parasites, um, for most of the red meat that we eat, uh, no, there's not going to be anything in it. If you do get into some of the organs, there are some parasites that can find themselves in some of the organs. Um, liver, for example, there are liver flukes, there are other things, but they're not that common. Um, there are ways that you can learn what to look for, but in terms of the muscles, the red meat that you're taking off of the deer in very, very, uh, most of the cases you're going to be removing the meat and being able to eat it right, right away. Yeah.
0: So. Now we have all this meat, right? It's packaged, it's frozen, um, and this is where it starts to get fun because if you're a new hunter, you probably know other people who have never eaten deer before. Well, why don't, uh, Hank, you talk a little bit, and, and Matt, you can uh, talk about this too, about sharing with others and and donating some of this meat.
2: I mean, I'll, I'll just be honest, you know, harvesting and, and sharing venison, whether it be giving somebody a package of meat or, or, or sharing a meal with them is probably my the most rewarding aspect of hunting for me. Um, and I think it will be for most most of our listeners. So, um, And it, it's really also a really important way, um, you know, it's been coined venison diplomacy, but it's a really important way to let others know about hunting, um, let them see the benefits of hunting, share in the rewards of hunting, and... Um, and you know often as we said you know to a new hunter 40 or 50 pounds of venison might be a little overwhelming
1: yeah yeah absolutely matt yeah for me it's a big part of the process as well like we've we've gone through all of these different episodes right and it's this journey of of hunting where you're strategizing you're you're setting yourself up in a situation that you can take a shot you take the shot you're getting the deer in the freezer and if if cared for correctly, the meat, whether you do it yourself or, um, you have a processor do it, that meat can keep a long time. And so I often, you know, I sometimes donate straight up meat. If I have enough tags and I shoot what I would deem as extra deer, that doesn't happen often with a young family, but I have donated meat before to, um, uh, community, uh, type places that will take it. There are really great options there. And Hank can talk about those that are, that are at a national level, but for the most part, my my sharing from our household is, uh, you know, we the meat will keep for year, at least a year, sometimes even two years, um, if you just get all that air out. And I'll either share by preparing meals, that's probably the most common, where we go to friends and family events, and I'll make something and bring it, or we'll invite family over and have a barbecue or, or make something, sometimes on special events. Uh, uh, you know holidays we'll go the extra mile and use some of those finer cuts and make something that's probably the most common way that we share uh, but I'll even as friends come to visit my my family comes to visit I'll send them with some packaged meat and uh, you know like I said it keeps for a really long time which is why it's good to invest if you're going to become a hunter and you're taking deer on a somewhat regular basis you'll want that chest freezer and it's this gold pot that you have yeah. of meat it feels so good Part of that putting up process, I mean, there's something in the human condition that it's like when you complete it and the meat, whether you cut it up or you have somebody else do it, but you look at that freezer full of packaged meat, there is something innately so satisfying that you feel. I did that. I did that. Yeah. And I'm good for a long time. Yeah. And I want to share that. So like when family comes by to visit, I'll try to, I try to share that, you know, tell them, bring a cooler when you come to visit, I'll send you home with some venison. My, my family that does not hunt and, uh, they, they leave with a smile on their face and so do I, I I don't leave, but I'm smiling the whole time going, (laughs) I I sent them home with some, some real good meat that I, they know where it came from and I know where it came from.
0: Absolutely. And, and one thing that is the full circle here that we, we talk about is this is also a great way to say, thank you to the potential landowner who you've gotten access to you, you you've taken a deer off their property. You've processed it and you come back to them saying, thank you very much for allowing me to use your property and take deer off of it. Here is some sausage. Here is some ground meat. Here is uh, some steaks, whatever. And uh, it's just, it's a awesome way to say thank you. It's also another way to, put your foot in the door for any other properties that you may want to hunt and you go to a landowner and you say, Hey, I'm looking to deer hunt. Here's some, you know, I have this, I'd like to share with you You and maybe we could trade or, you know, just, just another option because it can, it can be used as, um, a handshake it can be used as a thank you it can be used as bartering you know hey i need to help move in a couch i'll give you a backstrap if mm-hmm. you, you well know, maybe not a backstrap but you know yeah. i got some i got some ground uh some ground venison if you know if you help me out there's so
1: a venison diplomacy right well yep.
2: it's important to note um you know there's a couple other things you can invest in that to kind of get this uh different types of meat to the freezer and we've spoken about ground a couple times but uh you will, as you're processing this deer, not every cut is a perfect piece of tenderloin yeah. or a snake. You do get this stew meat or or crate for the grind pile. That can be another great um, option to have as a little grinder to grind up some hamburger. A lot of people don't grind it up and then freeze it, but they'll keep these chunks, and then they can pull it out and grind it as needed or whatever. But um, a nice little standalone electric grinder will go a long way.
1: And they're not expensive. You can get the hand crank ones, mm-hmm. the electric ones. Um, And there's all shapes and models, commercial grade down to kitchen style. And many people have a mixer in their kitchen that actually you can buy or get a a grinder attachment for it. Yep, absolutely. Options, absolutely. And it's the most utilitarian meat too. uh, Having having Mm -hmm. you'll get out of the off of an adult deer, um, if you get forty to fifty pounds of meat, at least twenty pounds of it will be. Um, will be probably grind quality. Yeah. So lots of burgers, meatloaf, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Just,
2: just one more pro tip. Um, I am not, so when you take that deer to the processor, oftentimes they'll ask you if you want fat added to your ground venison. And, yeah. And they're probably adding beef fat. Um, I've never been a huge proponent of that. You know, you go out and you harvest this, this great free-range deer. Yep um but you know if you are going to make burger or meatballs or meatloaf or something there isn't a lot of fat in venison you got to take that into consideration right um so that's an option at a processor i I for one don't usually take them up on it just say hey i'll take the ground just straight up deer don't add anything to it but back at the house you can you can buy some fat you can buy some pork you can you know add a little fat to make these delicious things but you know, a patty of ground venison is not going to be like a patty of ground burger
0: right. of, of beef. Yep. My family, whenever I take it to the processor, they do this. They ask us the same question, and I do add twenty five percent beef to the to my ground venison, and I don't know if it is like for me. I am a huge fan of just the venison, but my wife is not. Right, she she likes the flavor a little bit more fat in it. Uh, there's a little bit more um, cooking functionality that comes along with adding beef mm-hmm. to it. Um, so it, that is an option as well, uh, and it stretches. There's a little bit more cost associated with it, but it stretches that ground that ground uh, venison out a little bit longer.
2: And you can also a lot of processors will make jerky, make sausage for yep. you. Be prepared; you're going to pay a premium. You know, you can run up the bill pretty high and it's so delicious the the cost (laughs) of processing berries i've seen a lot some places you can get you know if you gut that and skin that deer and bring it in you know some places can be as low as 40 60 dollars but if you're in an area where it's like a tourist hunting economy i've seen that go up to 100 200 dollars and then if you add in some of those um, more prepared, you know, jerky or sausage, you better be prepared to pay a little bit more money.
0: Absolutely. When it comes to processing our deer, I mean, we've kind of run the gamut here from taking the meat off the bone to preparing it for the freezer, uh, sharing it with others. Is there any other considerations that we need to uh, think about here as far as processing our, our meat? Label it. Well, labeling I, it.
2: I always write on the package what it is. In and what year? Yep. Yep.
0: Yep, year and maybe cut and
2: i know matt you know it you know don't you put your daughter's
1: names on it when
2: they process it or I,
1: I give them each a sharpie and they label it and sometimes it's a surprise when we when we <laughs> open it up but uh it's it's really uh it makes me smile thinking about like looking in the freezer not only having it full uh, but seeing that my kids were part of that process and and uh, we tell them to put the year on it and what what that cut was so um yeah it's it, it is, it is a big part of why people hunt is the meat and you want to care for it and, uh, enjoy um, it and enjoy it. Thanks for listening to today's episode.
0: If you want to find out more information and utilize additional resources, visit DeerAssociation.com slash hunting 101. There you will find links to the YouTube series, guide to successful deer hunting ebook, new hunter sign up sheets, and Deer Hunting 101 courses. Additionally, you can listen to more outdoor-themed podcasts at sportsmansnation.com, on iTunes, or anywhere you download your podcasts.